Welcome to the Grove Cricket Podcast. Thanks for listening. Big welcome back to Mr. Bedford and an extra special welcome to today's guest who is Mr. Barr. Thanks for having me, Mr. Borrington, Mr. Bedford. <laughs> Great to have you with us, Mr. Barr. Now, you've been a bit of a fan of the podcast so far. Who have you enjoyed listening to? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been great actually. It's uh, something that I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed listening to. I think um, personally springs to mind uh, was Mr. Howard. Really enjoyed listening to uh, to his podcast. Quite historical, and uh, I found that really interesting. Um, Mr. Eaglestones a few weeks ago was uh, was was really good. Um, but I think as well, my good friend Will Hatfield. It was it was great to hear about his uh, his cricket experiences when he was at the Grove. Um, as well as a little bit of uh, football chat as well. Okay, so just tell us a little bit about your cricket background, your earliest memories of playing or watching cricket. Obviously, you've got a bit of a different um, origin from where your cricket began. Yeah, so was my first cricket memory or experience is probably playing in the garden with my brothers and my dad uh, from a young age. Um, but I guess... Uh, Probably when I went to when I went to secondary school, I went to uh, Lima Valley Grammar School. That's probably where my sort of uh, real passion started to develop. Um, as a as a family, both my both my parents were teachers, and we tended to spend our, our summers away on holiday. So I didn't play too much club cricket um, during the summers. So it was really uh, more during the uh, during the school year. But yeah, like I said, my time at Lima Valley Grammar School was where I learned uh, learned my trade. Brilliant. Any favourite players growing up? Anybody you remember watching on the TV? Um, I think, uh, well, maybe maybe not too young, but sort of Kevin Peterson, whenever he initially came into the England team and sort of around that 2005 Ashes series. Um, Freddie Flintoff as well, probably more for not his cricket, but his sort of persona and, and how he was in the field. Um, and then maybe a little bit later on, someone like A.B. de Villiers, who was just... Uh, just a class act and someone who could who could do it all really. Yeah. Bat, field, wicket keep. Um yeah, so those are probably some people who stand out for me. And Irish cricket's obviously come a long way in the last few years. Just give us a bit of an insight into the structure and the leagues and the setup over there in comparison to things in England. Yeah, I think um we've probably been playing catch up uh over the last few years. Um I think there's always been quite a lot of talent. Um but the but the structure's Probably not been in place to help that talent come to the come to the forefront. Um, quite recently, the um, the provincial teams have uh, they now play an interprovincial series, um, and that has that's got first class status now. So that's been that's been really beneficial. Um, I think it's also putting the players on the on the map a little bit more, and uh, more and more of them then are, are also um, getting to play for English counties and. Um, and then the introduction of central contracts with with Ireland has also been a a uh, a big sort of boost for the players. They can they can be professional now rather than sort of semi professional or, or even amateur. Um, and I think that's that's been really that's been really good to try and push the push the standard, um, which has now culminated in Ireland playing Test cricket, which is which is great. Yeah, so how do you feel about Owen Morgan then playing for England? Is that something that you think will change over over time, or do you think um, you know playing at the highest level of international cricket, it's better for him playing for England? What are your thoughts on that? I think for him, it's it's definitely the the best for his game and for him to probably reach his potential. That's that probably wouldn't have happened if he was still playing for Ireland. Um, but but it is an interesting one. I think it it is quite. It's quite strange in cricket where we've had Irish players who've played for Ireland, done quite well in the past, 
um, Joyce, Boyd Rankin, Owen Morgan. Uh, they then go and play for England, have a, have a good career. Morgan maybe more so than, than the other two I mentioned. But then do come back and play for Ireland again after, after a period out, which I think is probably something that needs to change. Maybe if the structure was in place when those guys were coming through, then they wouldn't have made that move. Maybe they would have sort of stayed with um, with Ireland and, and maybe tried to uh, to reach their ambitions there. Um, I mean, yeah, Mr. Borin, what's what like? What are the rules in terms of that? Do you know that in terms of Owen Morgan? Has he qualified through residency or to play for England, or is he allowed because of the tiered system in terms of a, a tier one? I think and there was lots one. of guys to start with. You mentioned Ed Joyce and Rankin who came across to play for England before Ireland had Test match status, didn't they? So. I, I think Mr. Barr's right. Things may change in the next few years as their test match status grows and they they play more test matches. Um, Mr. Barr, what's the what's the feeling amongst the Irish people when the Irish players come and play for England? Is it a bit of resentment, or are most people hoping that they do well? And and yeah, I think it's probably the latter. Um, I think I'm, I'm from Northern Ireland, and we we sort of have a feeling that um, we're very proud of our sportsmen, people like Rory McIlroy. Um, People like that, we love to see them do well. So I think with with cricket, it's no different. It's it's probably seen as um, a bit of a success story to see someone like Owen Morgan not just playing for England, but but captaining England in the limited overs stuff and and doing so well. So I think we take a bit of pride in that and seeing one of our own do so well on the on the global stage. And I think someone like that playing in the IPL, captaining England, doing so well is probably going to encourage more young Irish boys to, to pick up the bat and, and play cricket. So um, maybe if he turned out against Ireland, that's maybe slightly different when he, when he plays for England against Ireland. But um, yeah, I think generally we want to see them see them do well and succeed. Yeah, so excuse my ignorance here, but obviously the rugby union team is all of, the whole of Ireland. Is it the same for the cricket team then? Do uh, Northern Ireland included in in that yeah yeah it is okay. so that's uh yeah the, the irish cricket team is made up of both northern ireland and uh and players in the republic of ireland um but probably slightly different than the uh the rugby team you have a lot of southern irish players a lot of a lot of leinster players that would make up the team but um cricket in northern ireland is is very strong and, and so quite a lot of a lot of northern irishmen are also intent to to get into the 11 so Brilliant. Yeah, it's going to be interesting how it develops over the next few years with the with the Test match status now and playing more games. Obviously, they'll be hoping to be involved in the in the World Cups and and big international competitions. Well, well, that that was something that I was going to say as well, Mr. Borrington. I think it it's sort of feels like one step forward, one step back because they've been given Test Test match status, but then the World Cup um, was due to be reduced in in terms of number of teams. Um, so I think that's something that was. Maybe a little bit frustrating having having played so well at previous competitions. Um, but yeah, yeah, interesting times for Irish cricket. Um, you've been at the school a few years now, and uh, which means you've been involved in lots of school cricket, which I think started with some of our really younger players at Bronte. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a long time ago. Um, yes, yeah, so this is my seventh year at the Grove, um, and um, I think for the first. Five of those uh, did some uh, some cricket at, at Bronte with Mr Bedford. We did the year fives and year sixes. Um, I think my first uh, memory was going away to Burkdale near the start of the season with the uh, the year fives. We uh, we got on the coach, left uh, sunny Appley Bridge, and 
got up on the hill at Parkdale and uh, it was about minus 10 degrees and trying to score an umpire and couldn't fit my hands. So that was, uh, that was quite, a, quite an experience. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, as I say, it, it's, been, it's been seven years now that I've been here and it's, it's great to see some of the boys and, and girls, but, but probably more of the boys at the minute who, um, who we coached in year five and year six and, and are now in and around the first team. And, uh, and yeah, it's uh, yeah, really pleasing to see. Yeah, and I know there was one standout moment for you since you've had a team up at the Grove. What any um, any particular enjoyable moments about your time since you've been coaching some of the older players? Well, yeah, we. Um, so I when I started, I I came onto the, uh, the under fifteen uh, team alongside Mr. Mantle, and uh, we did that together for a year, and dream then team. yeah, the dream team, and then. <laughs> A couple of years later, I was uh, joined by Mr. King and the, the under fifteens, um, and I think it's 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 quite a tough it's quite a tough age. Um, really enjoyable because the boys are starting to to really develop, and and the probably tactical understanding is is really starting to improve. Um, but it's also that age where some of those boys who are really performing well get some first team opportunities. So at times it can be it can be quite tough on a Saturday, but. Um, Midweek, midweek, and cup competitions are uh, are great. So the current year for teens, when they were under fifteen, um, I think this is what you're alluding to. Uh, they were crowned Yorkshire champions, which was which was fantastic. Um, which maybe qualified for the North of England finals, um, which was at uh, Kendall Cricket Club. Uh, unfortunately, we we lost the semi final, but then won the uh, the third place. Um, playoff. So third in the north is a pretty pretty good achievement, and um, maybe a slight feeling of what if we didn't quite get it right in the uh, in the semi final. But um, to be Yorkshire champions, it was uh, it was brilliant, and it meant a lot to um, to the boys. Um, a group of boys who've been really successful actually the whole way through school. Um, I think it was just real testament to them and how hard they've worked and how much they. They buy into the not only the cricket program but the but the sports uh, offering at the Grove. Absolutely, yeah. That's our current year thirteen group. What was so special about that group that made them such a successful cricket team in that year? I think yeah, what was so good we, we weren't reliant on one or two players. It was a really really good um, really good group of group of boys. Um, if if someone wasn't wasn't quite getting it uh, where they wanted with um, when they were bowling, we probably six or seven boys who, who were capable of coming in and, and bowling so um, I think the fact that we weren't reliant on a couple of players but you there was just trust that everybody could do the job everybody um, had the same sort of feeling that they wanted to win they were competitive but I think being such good such good mates um, that really helped as well there was a great sort of camaraderie um, with the boys and a great support as well from uh, from parents on, on Saturdays and, and during that cup run so uh, I think a lot of factors um, talent was great but the real sort of work ethic and, and want to be successful was, uh, was probably a large part of that as well and you've recently moved on to, to year 7 cricket to form a partnership with Mr Eagleston um, how excited are you about that team? yeah r- really excited um, I think it's uh, it's really nice to be able to, to move around the, the years a little bit and not, not maybe get, get stuck with one, with one age group um, I think it's great to um, see the year sevens when sort of enthusiasm and uh and excitement for the game is probably at a at its highest um so I th- I th- 
probably getting to work with Mr. Eaglestone as well is something that I'm uh, I'm excited for. We've uh, we've had a few good uh, partnerships in uh, in rugby and cricket over the years, so uh, that's that's something that I'm excited for. Um, but it's just a great great group of boys and girls. Um, regularly uh, having twenty to twenty five turning up for training uh, both during the week and on a Saturday and. Um, as I say, just just really excited to uh, to get to spend more time with them in the summer and uh, and yeah, see uh, see how they progress. Yeah, Mr. Eagleson was great when he came on a couple of weeks ago, wasn't he? His his passion for for the cricket and that team and the way he produced those statistics was was brilliant. So um, should be a good good coaching team for that year well, seven team. Yeah, and I think from what I've seen so far in the um, in the indoor program, there's uh, there's maybe one or two boys that might. Uh, might have forced a way into his uh, oh. under 12, 11, yeah. um, should he have got to see them play. So it'll be interesting to see if that would change after uh, after this year. Yeah, you mentioned it briefly there. It's been great to have cricket sessions back as part of our co-curricular programme over the last three weeks. Mr Bedford, you've been part of lots of those sessions. Yeah, it's been great to, to have the kids back for you know for a start um, the last three weeks, uh, been excellent, and just to be able to coach cricket again um, to get the indoor nets go and get on the bowling machine the numbers probably haven't been as high as they will be in the summer just because there's been so many other sports going on at the same time and um, it's just been good to focus on, on individuals as well and just, just preparing them for um, for the summer ahead so yeah the the programme after school and, and on a Saturday a really good turnout and um, it's just giving them a bit of a head start come the summer Brilliant Mr Barr you've been part of lots of those sessions as well across a wide variety of age groups yeah, as, as I said, the year sevens has been a great turnout, um, not just from the boys, but from the girls, which is which is really exciting. Because I know you're um, you're really keen to to try and develop uh, our girls our girls cricket program, um, but yeah, I've, uh, a little bit of work with the year nines, and there's some really promising uh, some really promising players there, and um, I think it's just been great to see to see the kids get really excited about cricket. Um, haven't had quite a Quite a long winter and, and, and times out of school. It, it's just great to have the, the pupils back in and and just to see how, how excited they are and how passionate they are, but, but how, how coachable a lot of our, our young people are as well and taking on uh, taking on advice and looking to really work hard and, and improve their game. I think with some of the um, some of the senior sessions as well, uh, I've been really impressed with, with the sort of maturity and um, and honesty that, that that some of the boys have shown in terms of their own game and areas that they want to work on. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's been uh, it's been a really good few weeks, and the excitement amongst the kids is uh, is really pleasing to see, and it's it's making me uh, really excited for the summer term as well. Good, good stuff. Uh, you mentioned the girls a little bit there. All of our girls from year seven to eleven have had chance to do cricket in PE over the last three weeks, which has meant they've been doing a session or two a week. A great opportunity for, for for our girls just to have a go and, and hopefully we're going to have as many girls playing cricket as possible. Mr Barr, as head of curriculum PE, why was that so important to you to get girls cricket in these three weeks? I think that, uh, as you've said, it's something that you want to develop, Mr Borrington, and I think um, the success that, that the England women's team have had over the last number of years, um, girls cricket is thriving and it's in a position where um, it could really kick on and, and become um, as big a part of school sport as the boys' cricket game has been. Um, I think we've got more and more girls who, who are excited to play. 
um, it's something that we can we can offer as a as a summer sport as well. So I think it's great that the, we can do a little bit in PE, try and develop that confidence, a lot of indoor stuff, um, a lot of gameplay, um, and yeah, with the hope that they will uh, we're gonna have some some girls teams and. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. I think you're you're looking at entering some competitions as well. If I'm absolutely, yeah, absolutely keen to play as much as we possibly can, um, and give our girls every opportunity to play cricket. Yeah, well, if you'd have listened to the Catherine Ling uh, podcast, you'd have heard that she set a, um, a bit of a challenge to Mr. Borrington in terms of five <laughs> years' time, um, winning the national competition with a first first eleven for the girls. So yeah, uh, no pressure on Mr. Borrington, but I just think it's fantastic um, just how far it's come. The 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 women's game, it's just it's great to see, and um, my girls have both been doing it um, over the last few weeks in in their PE lessons, and absolutely love it. So. Yeah, let's, let's I was going to mention going. that, Mr. Bedford. If we're looking at national champions in five years' time, then there might be some some Bedford's part of that team. So you might have to get a bit of practicing in the garden. Oh, oh, we will be. Don't don't worry. The Easter holidays are coming, and the weather's getting better. So we're definitely out on the street, um, turning our arms over. Bedford and an Eaglestone, maybe. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, mm. definitely. Exciting times. What a team! Absolutely. What a team. All right. Um, England have been playing lots of cricket as well, which has been great to watch on our TV. Um, Five T20s against India, which finished with a 3-2 defeat. Mr Bedford, what have we learned from England's T20 side in the last few weeks? I think in T20 in general, I think we've learned that if you bat second, you've got a very good chance of winning from the, the results we've seen. Um, I think it was a friend was telling me about the Pakistan Super League as well, whereby um, out of the 15 matches played, 14 of them were won by a team batting second. So... Um, it's it's quite interesting to see that, and I think just one game was won by the team batting first against uh, between England and India. Um, I mean, India on a flat pitch, just unbelievable at times. Um, Kohli's found his form again. Uh, Rishabh Pant is just amazing to watch, just an unbelievable cricketer. And I just think that our bowlers have just maybe all got a little bit tired at the same time, but. Um, I just in general you look at the team they've put out today in the, in the ODIs and the bowling attack just isn't as good as it as it could be so I think that's where we've been behind the eight ball from the start just India getting too many runs batting first Mr Barr what do you think of where the England T20 side's at at the moment and where's it heading with a view to the World Cup at the end of this year um, I think there's an abundance of talent um, available to England um, I think it's probably just trying to get that balance right in terms of um, where you put your where you put your best players, what number they're coming into bat. I know we were we were talking a little yeah. bit earlier in the week about Ben Stokes and he opens in the IPL. Should he be a little bit higher up the order? If he's if he's your best player, you probably want him facing as many balls as as possible. Um, I, I, as I said, I think there's lots of talent there. I think it's also quite difficult when a lot of these players. Have been on tour now for a long time. They've been in a bubble. They've been away from home. I think that's quite challenging. Um, but I think as well, the sort of squad rotation policy that they've they've had um, during the tour is probably a good thing as well to to know that they've got different options available. Mm. Different players are hopefully um, able to step in and and contribute. Um, maybe sometimes having a settled eleven, whilst it's great if someone does get injured. Um, Maybe someone's coming in who hasn't quite had enough experience or isn't sort of fully prepared for it. So I think there's a huge amount of talent. I think, um, as I say, they probably just need to, to work out the top of the order. Um, as a 
an adopted Yorkshireman. I'd love to see Johnny Barstow getting a little bit more, uh, more of a more of a chance at the top of the order as well. Maybe maybe to come in at number one or two and, mm. and have a bit of a whack. Yeah, I think this recent series has probably created more questions than answers for the England side. As you said, I feel they've got to find a way to get Ben Stokes more involved in a T20 game where he's he gets a chance to bat for longer or he's bowling more overs. He's just too good a player to be batting at six and bowling the odd over. Mr Bedford, how do you see the, the batting line-up shaping up in the first World Cup game later in the year? So the T20, I mean... Yeah, David Milan's not even been involved in the ODI, but he's you know he he, he looked really good. Um, yeah, Besto at four, he's just got ninety four off sixty six balls. Does he go up and and open the batting? I just think we've just got so many options now. But at some stage, and I know with all the bubble situation and and the mental health side of things, but we've also got an Ashes coming up as well. When you know when are we just going to pick our best team? And just say this is our best team for the whole series, and we're going to all play together. Because I think you've got to build these partnerships and relationships, and it just feels like there's a pool of twenty players all getting a turn in the eleven. And it's just—I don't think it's good long term. I think at some point they've got to say, right, okay, maybe at home when we're in England, this is our best T20 side. We're going to play five games with that team. ODI the same, and then Test cricket. I heard Michael Vaughan say it about the Ashes. You know, we can't go and play in an Ashes series and not pick our best team for every single game because um, it just wouldn't be the same, would it? So, yes, obviously, the COVID bubble situation, maybe things might change by the end of the year, but I just think we've got to pick it and just and go for it. I think a lot's going to depend on the success of next winter, isn't it? How England fare in the T20 World Cup and the Ashes. And if that goes well... We may all look back and think what a great idea the squad rotation policy was and weren't England doing a great job resting all these players because they were so fresh for, for the winter. But if it goes wrong, then um, I think you're right. It might, it might be a view that England should have picked their best team more often. But, you know, what do you think? You've seen Joe, Ro- Joe Root go on a, on a run of form, um, Sri Lanka, then into India. What do you think as a batsman? Surely you want to be playing week in, week out, batting out in the middle. Absolutely, yeah. I... I Obviously, in these times, the bubbles create some some difficult problems and understandably players may need a rest on that. Um, I'm amazed they haven't found a way to get Joe Root into the T20 side, which I think that ship seems to have sailed now with the with the World Cup getting so close. And then he's gone home and rested for the, for the one-day internationals. But again, if he goes on to have a great summer and scores loads of runs and have has a great Ashes series, then it's probably a masterstroke. And he's going to play for Yorkshire for two county championship games. So, yeah, that's a bonus. How exciting is that for Yorkshire cricket? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I think Yorkshire have just announced a 10-year deal with Scarborough as well, which is, uh, which is really interesting. Um, they're sort of expecting to get five or 6,000 people in, into matches. And you'd think this year with people staying at home and holidaying you know, on the coast, then there could be really some real excitement around that. Um, I think the history behind Scarborough as well and playing there and um, that's pretty good for Yorkshire cricket. So I mean, Joe Root playing, what a pull that is for two for two games. I don't, I don't think he's played for a few years now in the county championship. So um, yeah, let's uh, watch that space and uh, hopefully it bodes well for Yorkshire. Certainly exciting for Yorkshire cricket. Yeah, Mr. Barr, how have you embraced the Yorkshire cricket culture since you've been in this part of the world? Oh, I love it. Um, I was uh, I was at Leeds Met, which is now Leeds Beckett, and um, had various lectures and seminars that were actually in the. Uh, in the stadium, um, could also then go in to, to watch the championship games for uh, for free, which was 
which was a nice bonus. So, uh, yeah, the um, April, May, maybe not a huge amount of uh, work was being done when I was at uni, but a lot of cricket was being watched. Um, and, and, and since uh, since finishing it and staying quite close um, uh, to Headingley, we've uh, gone to a lot of the, the T20 games, quite a few of the... Um, uh, the uh, the one day games as well and uh, yeah I, as I said I said earlier I feel like a almost an adopted Yorkshireman so uh, so I love uh, I love going as often as I can um, fingers crossed we could maybe uh, maybe get to a game this summer if uh, if we're allowed definitely I can't wait It'd be great to have some cricket to watch won't it might even have some cricket to play and we hope as well um, where do you see yourself slotting into Mr Mantle's staff team <laughs> um yeah, taking a little bit of a little bit of flack here, but um, <laughs> not many places left. You no, put your neck on the line. Not many, you? not many places left. Um, but I've heard Mr. Dobson say that he thinks he's getting in, so I must be a shooting. Um, but just to uh, you know, to to play alongside a legend like yourself, Mr. Borrington, I'd uh, I'd do anything about eleven and uh, feel the third man. You're too nice, You're too nice, Mr. Barr. Um, Mr. Mantle's going to have some selection dilemmas to. To deal with, I think. I think that's how we've chosen our guests, isn't it? We've, yeah. we've gone down our team in the perfect will. So I think Mr. Barr's probably like number seven in terms of our 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 guests. So <laughs> maybe that's, seven is that all right? That's probably an upgrade from whenever I was playing. So I'll take that. I'll take that. Okay, a couple of questions just to finish off. As ever, Mr. Barr, best player that you've played with and against. Okay, best player. Played with um, maybe a name that not too many people will be aware of, um, but Stuart Thompson, who uh, was here above me at school. Uh, he's an Irish international. He um, he actually played in the um, in the Test match at Lords for uh, for Ireland against England. Um, but he was just a class act at school. Just not a level, but but ten levels above everybody else. He uh, he played in the first team when he was uh, when he was twelve and. And we're scoring big runs. Um, so yeah, best player I've played with, uh, Stuart Thompson. Best player I've played against. Um, I presume we're not counting uh, Mr. Wenham's uh, office cricket. Um, <laughs> but we'll, uh, I have to say Paul Sterling, so maybe a bit more well-known. Um, Irish Open a batsman. I actually played against him in a, uh, it was an under-15 cup game. I was, I was year eight at the time. Uh, I wasn't playing up an ability. I was playing up as a, a bit of a last minute uh, addition. Um, someone had forgotten the kit, and I was able to uh, to fill in. Um, but yeah, he uh, he opened the batting. We opened with a spinner. He hit the first three for six, and then the fourth one he was caught in the boundary. So um, uh, that was against uh, Belfast High School. So Paul Sterling, uh, and we ended up winning, which was which was great. Bit of a one man team. So yeah, best player I've played against Paul Sterling. And he's played quite a lot of county cricket in this country, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Um, Middlesex, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and yeah, I think he's someone who, you know, as I say, uh, as a sort of Irish or Northern Irishman, we're, we're very proud of, of our own. And he's someone who, who's done really well. And um, quite recently, he, um, he made a few big scores for Ireland against uh, Afghanistan. And uh, yeah, he's, um, I think when he looks back, he can be pretty proud of his career. He's, yeah. he's done really well. Yeah. Most memorable game that you've watched or played in? Um, probably most probably game I've watched. Um, two thousand and four, I think it was. I was year six at the time. Um, 
the West Indies were uh, were over on tour uh, playing against Ireland. It was in uh, at Stormont and Belfast. Um, I've actually printed out just because some of the names I'd I'd forgotten about. There's one name that I did remember, but some of these other names: um, Chris Gale was playing, Chandra Paul, Darren Sammy, Ridley Jacobs, um, Dwayne Bravo, uh, but also Brian Lara, who came in at number eight. Um, I think maybe West Indies were uh, were uh, going easy on us, but um, yeah, it was great. Ireland managed to uh, to win by six wickets with nineteen balls remaining. So uh, yeah, that was. Uh, that was a pretty cool experience to watch the great Brian Lara. Um, and obviously Ireland. Shiv Chanderpaul as well, Mr Borrington, who you've played with at uh, Derbyshire. There is a picture on uh, Google if the, the students are like uh, to Google it where you're batting together and I believe maybe your father bought you a, a present one time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was lucky enough to have a season with, with Shiv Chanderpaul at Derbyshire and I was also lucky enough to walk into that picture printed out in the office on my first day working at Woodhouse Grove. Um, but um, yeah, Dad got that picture signed by Shiv, which now sits proudly in our lounge. So it was great to have the opportunity to play with him and uh, equally great to walk into my first day at this school with that picture plastered on the wall. How good was he? Come on, tell us. Amazing, amazing, yeah. Um, spent an incredible amount of time practising on the bowling machine. Um, he actually had a young son at that point as well who came over with him who was probably 15, 16 and played in our local league. So he spent hours and hours practising, uh, even at probably... He would have been late thirties at that point, so not the not the prime of his career, but a great a great guy and a great role model to have in a changing room from a, from such a a well known player. Brilliant. Sorry, Mr. Barnes, just was interested in Chief uh, no, 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 the ball there because I knew there's a bit of history there with uh, Mr. Barrington. Yeah, yeah, I think Mr. Mantle's also got that picture uh, <laughs> stuck up in his office as well. <laughs> what about the Ireland game when they beat England? I thought you might mention that one. Yeah, uh, well, actually, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Kevin O'Brien sort yeah. of exploded, didn't he? And uh, and uh, and sort of whacked it all over the place. I think those are definitely games that that we remember. Um, having not had Test match status until very recently, um, the World Cup games are uh, are the ones that tend to stand out. Um, but yeah, there's been some some great performances. I think one of the things about Irish sport is that whenever we feel a little bit under pressure or when we need to rise to the occasion, we generally do maybe unless it's a, a rugby world cup quarterfinal um and uh and yeah i think it's been uh yeah f- moments like that were are, are great for uh for irish cricket and to try and inspire the next generation so yeah that was a that was a pretty good one but i didn't want to mention it mr borrington i upset you but <laughs> yeah i think you're right games like that stick in the memory for a long time don't they and create heroes like kevin o'brien on that day which can only be good for the next generation of Irish cricket, so great games. Absolutely. And can I just say as well, thanks for the you know the background, the knowledge of, of Irish cricket. I've learned you know a real lot today in terms of sort of the history of the game in Ireland, and um, yeah, I really hope that they they grow to be a, a really strong nation, one of the top tier nations, because it'd be brilliant for us to be playing each other regularly and uh, yeah, making real progress in the game. Yeah, it certainly feels like the the structures and I in place to. To make that more of a reality and um, yeah, watch the space, I guess. Brilliant. Big thank you to Mr. Bedford, and even bigger thank you to our guest today, Mr. Barfer, for his insight into Irish cricket and his career at Woodhouse Grove. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you.